podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, here we go. It's the Combine Podcast. Hello. Welcome back to the Copyright Podcast, and I'm Matt, joined as usual by, that way, Mick. How are you doing, Mick? You look rough. Grim, mate. I'm not going to lie to you. I went a bit overboard last night with the festivities. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzing after the win, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Definitely. What a win, boss. What a win that was, then. Oh, you stole that. I was going to say that. <laughs> um, me and Mick are joined down below by Tim. What's up, guys? Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, pretty, pretty happy after yesterday, I can't lie. Yeah, good. As Mick said, pretty, pretty solid win. You know, not not our best, but... Yeah, it was, I mean, it is, it is what it is, isn't it? We definitely struggled to get going, didn't we? Um, so, so, Mick, I'll come on to you then. What a win that was then, you've already said that. So, go on, explain it. Well, it's good, weren't it? Well, the first half, like, I was speaking to the Palace fan we had on, like Jordan half time, and he was like, "That's what Liverpool can do to you." But like, there's the chances they had, like the IU one where he's front Allison, yeah, and goes to, and then passes it, and he's not just like that. You should, you've got to score them, especially against us when we're like we haven't got. We've got to make shift back to like Matip's obviously is in there because he's one. He's he's our only senior one, but Fabinho's been great there. But I don't know if those type of things happen if Van Dijk and Gomez there. I think it's a bit different when you've got them two fellas back there. But even still, like if you don't put those chances away against us, we're going to punish you at the end of the day. So you've you've got to you've got to make them count, and and they didn't. And then we just started to click into gear even more after that. Yeah, I mean, Palace definitely had their chances. Like it's weird because um, it wasn't at least the first half wasn't as routine as you would have thought it was. Like when you look at, back at uh, a recent seven-goal game that we were involved in, which was the Villa loss, and we definitely deserved to lose 7-0 or however it was, 7-2. Uh, and Villa were definitely that much better than us. But for the first half, we weren't as dominant as the scoreline would have suggested, were we, Tim? Yeah, I think the difference between us and Palace was that we were just ruthless in front of goal. I mean, we had three shots. Both teams at half-time had three shots on target. We scored our three and, and they didn't. You know, um, part of it again down to Allison having great hands. He caught absolutely everything. I think that he 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 had to he had to deal with. He caught, um, but I mean, it, it we were we were just back to our best in front of goal. I think that if if you look at the season on a whole and you look at the form our, our front three has been back in, I think we've been as fans we've been waiting for this because it's it's been coming. You know, we've been getting closer and closer and closer, and we showed signs of it against the likes of Wolves and Leicester City. But, I mean, I, I had a winning 4-0 yesterday. I thought Palace had been a, a really quite an inconsistent club. I think they've been quite good recently. So, I think they were having had a tough schedule with West Ham and Tottenham and stuff. Um, I figured that they were probably going to have some tired legs and collapse against us. So, I had a winning 4-0, but 7 was, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I still couldn't quite believe it when I looked at the final score, to be honest. So, yeah, well, so we'll we'll start talking about the goals then. Uh, it was it was a match as well, full of like random, like just little moments. You know, we had Ox coming back, uh, the, the lads broke records, and Taki's first Premier League goal. And uh, we've been waiting for this for a while, haven't we, Mick? It's been a while, yeah. And I mean, I was went to the pub to watch it, and they done like a little on BT Sports, done like a little piece on Taki about him coming in and like his transfer fee, and he's he's not been getting enough 
playing time and he hasn't scored yet. And I was like, after all that, he's going to go and score the first goal now. And he did. I was like, it was a great goal as well. Like I, when Mane plays it into him, you're thinking it's at first time and he takes a touch and you're thinking, oh, the chance has gone now. And then the second touch, the first touch actually is really good. And then he just bot, absolutely belts it bottom corner. And that was, that was the perfect way to set us up, wasn't it? For the rest of the game, that was what? Three minutes in, I forgot it was that early, that goal. I mean, like, we got it quite early, didn't we? So, like, those chances, like, I just touched on the IU one and stuff, we kind of flitted in between them. But, like, I'm just remembering now, like, it was 3 0 at half time. I didn't realize it was that much. Maybe I was just enjoying myself too much with loads of, loads of beers. That was it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> You said there as well when when he got the ball from Manny. I for one thought he hit it first time, and we didn't hit it first time. I sort of threw my hands up in the air. And I was like, "Damn, like chance is gone." Yeah. But he immediately sat down Nathaniel Klein and then smashed it past Guaita. And I thought, "Okay, great, nice." Um, but I still didn't expect the, the floodgates to open as they did. Um, Tim. Well, I mean. Again, I'll reiterate the point that Mick just made. Um, I think we're all ha- happy for, for Taki. I think it's it's been a long time coming. We saw we saw his ability when he played against us, and it's kind of been he's been knocking on the door a bit. He looked good in the preseason, and you think that oh maybe you know he's starting, he he might get into a game here, and this is a perfect chance for him to get his goal. And, and as Mick said, within three minutes he's gone and bagged it, taking it really really nicely. But um, from then on in, it was just the uh, Roberto Firmino sh- show, basically. I mean, yeah. he completely took over the game. Um, you know, for all the criticism he's received from all the, the 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 people saying, oh, we need a poacher there, we need another goal scorer, that's why we have him there, because he knits play together like no one else does. He is unbelievably controlled on the ball. He makes the right decision 10 times out of 10. And my word, what a touch that was coming from the ball coming in from Robertson to, to set himself up to just place it in. Honestly, I, I thought he was being cheeky. I thought he no-looked it when he finished it. So I thought he had a better proper Bobby. But honestly, what what a performance from, from him. Yeah, he was brilliant. And that, to be fair, that, that, that goal was my favourite of the day. But yeah. before scoring that, he goes and assists Mane for the second. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's a bit of a scramble outside the box. Um, and it just falls to Bobby. And out of all the players you want it to fall to, you want it to be him. And he just sort of just flicks it into Mane's path. And Mane's gone on a bit of a dry spell. And it's just nice to see him back amongst the goals, isn't it? Yeah, like you said, that that's that little touch for him, you couldn't have felt anyone better. Like, and he's he's got, he's got that presence of mind, hasn't he, on the edge of the box, not to panic. Little ball into Mane, and then Mane absolutely slots it, and that's what we've needed. Like a goal for Taki, we needed that. A goal for Mane, we needed that. A couple of goals for for Mino and assist, we needed that. Like Oxley Chamberlain coming back, we needed that. There was just so many. The scoreline, sometimes not it's not an afterthought, but it's kind of like we deserve that for all that good work. But there were so many good things that we needed along the way to, to, to kind of help us in future games. I mean, like we said, after the Spurs one, that will hopefully push Bobby on, that that, that winner he got in the, in the last minute. And it, it, if he plays like that all season, like he did yesterday, Jesus Christ, he was he was unbelievable. Like, just his presence of mind like that. Like I said, that third goal is probably my favourite as well. But yeah. it starts from his counter-attack and flick over to the left, doesn't it? And then he's just, that first touch at the end to knock it past the keeper. Is just like maybe like four or five weeks ago, he, he maybe fluffs that and it goes straight down the middle, and we're all going, Oh, for fuck's sake, why is he not finishing? But that was the Bobby, what we all know and loved there. And like you said, 
also for Mane, it was great. And then I think that was proven by Mane when he came off. He wasn't too happy, was he? I thought for a minute he was going to pull a Kepper and just go, nah, bring someone else <laughs> off. But, uh, no, thank God he, he went off. Obviously, no one wants it. Like, it was the same with Salah the other week, wasn't it? When Salah came off, we were he, he was... But I, I prefer to see that. I don't want players just to come off and be all happy. They want to stay on and score goals. They could, they could obviously see that there's a chance to get loaded goals here and get themselves up the goal scoring charts. And that's what Salah did towards the end. I think he's on 13 now. He's outright top goal scorer, which is what a like. I mean, we haven't even touched on Salah yet because he hasn't even came on the pitch in terms of where we're up to. But what a game he had in that, those 30 odd minutes he was on. Yeah, it's just everyone played well. And Bobby, like you said, favourite goal as well. I think. What gets me about that is his desire just to, to... He starts the play and then just sprints to the edge of the area, picks it up, takes a touch, hits it past Guaita. And at that moment, it was a bit of the same as the, the, the my reaction when Taki scored. When Bobby took the touch, I was like, no, like first time. And then I realised it was Bobby. And I was like, actually, I think he's pretty safe with his, his touch here. And he just slots it past the keeper. And I was like, oh, oh that one's going to take some beating. And in my opinion... None of our goal, uh, none of our goals after that beat that goal. Um, so we go in three 0 up, looking quite comfy. But at the end of the day, we all know one goal for Palace can change everything. And Palace started the second half relatively well, considering they kept the ball for the first like five minutes, and we didn't really get a touch of it. And then as soon as we get the ball, we just break again down the right, no, down the left, get switched to Trent, and then Trent feeds Henderson for what is usually like prime area for Henderson to put a cross into the back post. But I guess he's just thought, you know what, why not? And he just leathers it in the corner, doesn't he, Tim? Yeah, I mean, it, what is becoming a typical Henderson goal? You know, going either across the goalkeeper, but he's he's got a habit of putting them in the top corner at this point from, from that kind of range. Um, yeah, and, and again, a, a well-deserved goal from Henderson. I think that a lot of his work is underrated. A lot of his positional play is superb. He allows him dropping deep, allows our, our full-backs to get forward and, and make the have the effect on the game that they do. Um, and and yeah, it's just a captain's goal. He deserved it. You know, he's he's been he's been crucial coming back into the squad uh, since his since his injury with England. And you know, it's it's a superbly well-taken goal. Part of me wanted. You know, Trent to volley it first time because I thought, oh my god, this is set up perfectly, perfectly for him. Um, but you know, great, great awareness to kind of bring it down and, and lay it off to Henderson, and, and what a finish! You know, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then, like, well, we actually something we haven't touched on, and we're going to take a, a break from the goals for a minute. Mick, no injuries this match. That's a bit of a shock, isn't it? Yeah, no injuries, uh, no VAR messing around. It felt like a good. Pre a good boss, uh, a boss uh, game pre VAR. That's what it felt like because there was no interruptions. Every time, obviously, we scored, I was still like, right, I'm not celebrating properly just in case. And then, obviously, when you see the like uh, the the side angles, you're like, oh, thank God he's on. I think that happened for pretty much all of them. Where I was panicking for a sec that uh, that that one of them might be off. But yeah, no injuries. And like like we said, Ox back as well. Come 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 back on for another. I think he was on for about 15 minutes, weren't he? And mm-hmm. um, I thought Kater was. Bit, a little bit wasteful sometimes in the first half, but he, he still looked overall. That was a good game for him to to come back in, and you know how good he is carrying the ball from deep. He, he's he's one of the best at it, and he he always seems to pick the right pass. So that that was another one that was that's come back into the squad. And um, Curtis Jones came on later as well, didn't he? So there's so many options in that midfield, and like you said, no injuries. That was the that was the best thing we could have hoped for, especially with games coming thick and fast now. Well then. 
that's fallen a lot. Salah gets introduced, so poor, poor Crystal Palace are probably thinking, yeah, we can't catch a break here. Mo comes on, and it just turns into the Mo Salah show, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it just what's worrying for me is to think that he did all, you know, he had two goals, two, well, one that, I mean, almost kind of hit him more than he hit it, but, and then the second goal that he took sublimely, it, it kind of like, back to Chelsea a couple of years ago it was it was of that quality you know um but you know it, it's just scary to think what he could have done over 90 minutes <laughs> you know two goals yeah. of assistant in half an hour and it didn't even look like he broke a sweat you know it's typical Mo he's he's back to that that form that he's he was in when he when he first came to the club and everyone was astounded with the fact that he just could not stop scoring and he's he's back in that in that sort of world class final beating form and I think you know if if we continue this way if we can continue if I think Bobby Firmino being the key to this offense to this 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 attack to this front three because he opens everything up for the for the other two if he can continue on form the limits for for Mo and and Mane in terms of in you know, goal numbers and stuff for the season just going to go through the ceiling, and especially when he's when he's not being wasteful in front of goal, and he's you know he gets a chance from twenty five yards out and he's bent into the into the top corner. So all, all the best signs today, yesterday, even though. <laughs> yeah, obviously the goals are great. I'm glad to see him assisting as well, just because he gets labelled. I mean, by, by by Liverpool fans, but as well smashed by rival fans of being greedy and. And, and wasteful, like on the ball when he should be passing it. And he gives Bobby a ball. Um, and then Bobby just goes and just dinks the keeper like it's no one else's business. It's just, it, 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 the goal was just, just oozed Bobby Firmino, didn't it? Next. Yeah, and I, I think even that assist, I think that's underrated how good that is because he's, per, he's perfect weight. Like you think for a second, oh wait, the defender's just going to cut that out, but he's played it just with enough speed, just enough curl, just enough weight that it just finds its way perfectly through on him. That's just Bobby. Like when Bobby's on top form, you know he's going to score their left-footed chip over the keeper and it's just like... If it were the, the game would have ended there, you would have went like, like what, a, what a performance, but then still Salah's... Um, Salah's goals to come and it's just yeah Mo in that form as well it's just like in half an hour he's done that much damage I think that's the the first time for Liverpool's history I don't know it's Premier League that someone's came off the bench and scored two and got an assist in half an hour so that's like mental and like the numbers that he put he puts up like Tim said is just I don't think he's ever going to get the credit for it until until maybe that he when he leaves but like as long as we're appreciating him now, he's just he's he's unbelievable. Like you can't when he's in that type of form, you can't defend against him. Like because he can go either way. He's got like you said, his his passings it doesn't get valued enough. I think and I think I think he proved that and that assist for Bobby. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, obviously he gets his first goal, which is that, that coming from that corner. I was surprised throughout the game because I thought like Palace have like a significant height advantage, um, and we dealt with their corners quite easily but it didn't really look threatened. Allison was was solid. The defence was relatively solid as well, um, especially from corners. Um but I never expect us to score from a corner, let alone scoring or let alone it being Salah, who's probably one of the shortest players on the pitch, scoring from a corner. But it all comes from the fact that Palace just let Joel Matip, our biggest aerial threat, get his head on the ball relatively unchallenged. It's quite weird, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, I mean that, that was what goal number six, right? I mean, I think at that point, Crystal Palace had kind of had enough of it and were 
or ready for the final whistle to go in the you know the 80th minute or whatever it was you know that they had had enough on the day and I mean I, I, one of the pundits was saying that you know you could criticize Van Aanholt for not closing down most Salah for his last for his last goal but why would you you know like you're six nil down you're not really going to make that extra effort with tired legs having played four games in two weeks and and just and make that extra effort to get out to something that's, that's not really going to affect the the final result. So, I mean, listen, you've still got to go and get the he- your head on the ball. Most still got to react and, and place that ball where, where Guaita can't get it. So you can't really take anything away from the Liverpool players because you still have to go out and, and, and perform the skill. But yeah. yeah, I think, I think Crystal Palace by, by four, five had kind of had enough of the, uh, the afternoon. Yeah. To be fair, I agree with you completely. And I think this, in, in some respect, I think, Liverpool, maybe Salah was just like, you know what, for the first second goal for the, the shot, which is thinking, look, we're 6 0 up. I'm going to try it. Let, let's see if it comes off. I think if, if, if it's 1 1 or if it's or we're 1 0 up, I don't think he tries it. But he's, I think he's just, you see it in his, he just slows play down, just takes the ball out. And it's just a sort of, eh, I'll give it a go. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it rips the net. Yeah, it, I think it, he doesn't. He, he does try shots like that, but it's been a while since we've seen him get it on the edge of the box and curl one top corner. It feels like I don't know if someone can tell me in the comments, but I can't remember. I, I, I always just think of the Roma one where he obviously Allison's in goal for them, but there's a few of them where he does do that, and you just think, wow, that's just special. But yeah. like you said, I think it was probably because it was we were six nil up, and there's the pressure's off. Like there's not, it's not like we were nil nil and we needed the goal. It, that obviously that'd be more special if he did it for them, but there's no pressure in terms of just go right. Let's just bang this top corner, and that's what he did. And it's just like I was thinking. Well, not not sure, but that's going to be worried about fancy point. But I have most hours me uh, me captain, and I thought, oh, he's, after the first half, I was like, oh, he's not even going to come on probably because we're going to win f- five six 0 without him. Then he comes on and gets two goals and assist, and I was like, get in, nice one, extra points for me. Captain, <laughs> stupidly, is a. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I took him off captain, but yeah, I think I had Calvert Lewin as captain, and then that didn't turn out too well either. So yeah, uh, but anyway, at seven 0 smashed it, top of the table. Tottenham have just lost as well, so perfect. Team in the league just lost again two 0 <laughs> <laughs> oh. It basically is what it is, isn't it? Shouldn't be Bruno shouldn't be spouting off his mouth um, if he hasn't got the. The capability to back it up, and I mean, we said this before the, the Tottenham match. If they lost, it was going to be it was going to be key to see how they reacted. And they didn't just lose to Liverpool in a normal way. It's ninety minutes in the ninetieth minute to, to, to the crucial goal to come in the ninetieth minute. It's going to take it out of you that little bit more, isn't it? Either of you. I, well, yeah, I, I I think so. I mean. Tottenham are by by a mile going through their most difficult stretch of games in terms of their their opponents. So I mean they played Man City, followed by uh, Chelsea, then Arsenal. Which although Arsenal are what they are at the moment, it's still a derby game, so form kind of goes out the window. Um, they then followed it up with Crystal Palace, and then Liverpool, then Leicester, and I believe their next game is Wolves. That is a serious stretch of games. And I figured that if they got out of that stretch and they had won the majority of those games, that we could start seriously looking at them as con- title contenders and a, Mar- a Mourinho team that was was kind of to be reckoned with. But you know, they've they've won one of their last five, drawn two, and lost two. And I think that that will now start to take a hit of their co- their confidence. And 
potentially bolster Liverpool's, especially after this weekend, having, you know, Palace draw against the likes of West Ham and Tottenham to then go there and, and smash them in, in the fashion that we did with the players picking up goals, with the players picking up minutes that we need to in order to progress to, towards the team that we've seen for the last two to three years that has, have been blowing teams off, you know, running running around teams like, like it's nothing. Um, so I think overall, if you were to look at this weekend from a from a Liverpool fans' perspective, I think it couldn't really have gone much better. I mean, listen, fingers crossed, Leeds go and thrash Man United now. But yeah, I mean, I think one of the most impressive things for me that I found after this this match against Palace is that firstly, Palace on a bad side. It's, there's something to be said about putting seven goals past Crystal Palace, and also it's a Roy Hodgson team. Like Roy Hodgson's made a career of making sure that defenses are somewhat tight. Roy Hodgson isn't a manager that concedes seven goals willy-nilly left, right and centre. Like This is what he makes a living doing. So it is impressive to see that we could put seven past them, especially considering how, maybe, maybe toothless is the wrong word, but how many chances we spurned against Tottenham. Um, it was just good to see the guys so clinical, wasn't it, Mick? Yeah, it was. And it's that, that like I think Henderson said it in his... Um... In his post match, that that we had that coming for a long time. Like I know we all, when we've been we've been been, been getting by, okay. But I think when we look back at this season, hopefully when we're we're champions, we can say like that we went through that difficult spell where we lost all those players and look how look at that run we went on beating Spurs last minute. Like Tim said, that has a that has a major effect on teams. Like if you can see that, that late against your nearest rivals for the for the title at the moment, then that has a huge psychological effect. And I think that. That's you can see that in that Leicester game. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it because I was trying to sleep off my hangover a little bit. But losing two 0 at home to Leicester, I mean, well in Brendan Rodgers, like, but that's just we're now five points clear of them. Uh, no, sorry, six points clear of them. <coughs> Leicester are on twenty-seven, four points off, and Everton are uh, five points off. So yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, and they've got. I think, like you said, Tim, they've got Wolves coming up, haven't they? So that's not that's not going to be easy. And I think they've got Leeds as well coming up. So there's. Doesn't get any easier. I mean, we Leeds proved and have proved this season that they can play play with amongst the best of them. Like we barely got over the line with that four three, didn't we? So yeah. uh, now it's we we just need to keep going. We just need to keep going and getting these players back in, like Ox and Keita coming back in, and then Thiago should be back in training maybe next week. I hope, and then once he comes into that team, we're it's an entirely different prospect, aren't we? Yeah, 100%. Thiago's only going to improve this squad going forward. Ideally, we'd have him back for the next game, which is West Brom, because that's going to be a bit more of a... Well, you'd think it's going to be a bit tougher, especially with Big Sam there, going to organise them in a in a back 10, probably. But what do you expect him? Um, yeah, well, it's always tough, especially when a team a team is likely always to get a, a little bit of a bump from, from having a new manager and stuff. Um, I think that with a manager as experienced as, as, as Big Sam coming in, you've always got the kind of the belief there that you're probably going to pick up points that you shouldn't. Um, but I think that it's the wrong time to play Liverpool right now. I just think it is. I think that Liverpool, having gone through that stretch, that drawing against Fulham, that draw against Brighton, you know, having put seven past Palace, I think that with the way Klopp prepares this team, I think the last thing they're going to do now, having especially having dropped those two get dropped points in those two games, is is come in and be complacent against a side that they know will be dangerous because of that new situation. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, what, all, all, all of those things aside, when you look at Liverpool's form, I mean, 
you've got to start asking questions like, do we actually need a centre-back in January? Do we really need to pull one in? Because, I mean, for me at the moment, Fabinho's come in to centre-back and, and been a top-five centre-back in the league. Yeah, we've, we've conceded six goals in our last nine games since, since Van Dijk went down, hmm. which is probably up there in the top two or three in, in the league. And, you know, you've got to look, you've got to look at that and think, start to think that this, this squad has, has a bit too much quality now that if, if they go into a game like West Brom fully prepped, that's a dangerous one that they will get the job done. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident going in, but it's just one of those where you just, you know, you don't want to put all your chips on the table. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd echo everything you've just said. The only thing that I'd maybe caveat is the only reason that I'd still get a centre-back is just because of Matip's injury record. But if you're just judging it based on the quality of our two centre-backs at the moment, which is Matip and Fabinho, then I don't reckon we'd need one if, if Matip could stay fit. Um, but I'd bring one in just in case I want to be in a situation where Matip picks up a massive injury, which is all it is likely. Like I know that this is the first time in what seems like forever that we actually have a good. Is it a week break until the next game? Eight, um, eight, eight days, isn't it? I think it's the first time that we haven't had like a three three day gap game, four day gap game. Um, yeah. Matip picks up an injury, getting out of there. So I'd, I'd like the cover. But just lastly, Mick, just to touch on, do you think that this uh, this little break? The players are going to get now. You think that's going to that's going to really prove key when when facing the fat man? It is. And Dan's just put a little comment there. Big Sam will spend the week sharpening elbows, which will be true. But they're like they'll be majorly up for it, and we've just got to show the same determination and fight that we showed against Palace yesterday. Because like if you, you no no team in in world football can can put up with that. I believe if once we're in that type of form and in that type of Synchronized, yeah, just the pressing and just just everything. You can't. There's no one in the world that can deal with it when when we're on top form. In terms of the centre back as well, I don't I don't know what he's gonna do. Like, it would be nice to get a centre half, but I don't think he's gonna. He's either gonna splash out and get someone he's, that he's got on the the list, and maybe pay a, a premium in January. I don't think he's gonna get someone in. He's not gonna get like a Ragnar Clavan, is he? Like someone like that, because we've got they've got Nath Phillips and Reese Williams on the bench who, when they've came in and when they've been called on, they've both been boss. I don't know if he thinks maybe let's just try and struggle, try and keep Matip wrapped in cotton wool and play him maybe every other game and alternate with the other two that were on the bench. Keep Fabinho in there. It's it, it all depends on if Matip and Fabinho, if we can keep them both fit, if we get an injury to both of them and then we're having to play. Reese Williams and Nath Phillips, that's where you'll see a, a, a bigger downturn in terms of our progression pro- progression with the ball out from the back with, with, with those two because they need at least one senior centre-half beside them to make us tick the same way yeah. as, as we usually do. So it, it's all dependent on injury injuries. I mean, praise to God we don't get any, but like looking at the bench here, we, you can have nine people on the bench now, can't you? So we had like Neckel Williams, Nat Phillips, Reese Williams, Divock, Adrian and uh, Kelleher, who all didn't come on yesterday. So, I mean, that's two keepers there, but there's still a few players there that can come into things and can shake it up. And I mean, I think Klopp said, uh, I don't know when he said it, but it was recently, he said about Minamino being like one of the leaders like in training, like not not complaining about anything. And when he gets called on to play in midfield, he just embraces it. He doesn't throw a strop. He just tries to be the best he can be. And I think that's a great example. And I think that's something that, He's he, he can be really key. I mean, we've we've talked a loads recently about him, haven't we, Men? I mean, now about like, is he gonna is he cut out? Is he gonna be um, a, a Klopp failure as a sign? And which 
there, there's not there isn't any of them really apart from if you go towards the early days. But I think he proved yesterday, and I think he he proved in the Fulham game when he came on that he can have a a big impact on on this squad and on this team because he, he's he's one of them where he can play him anywhere and he'll give hundred percent. It's just getting them in front of goal and scoring goals like he did yesterday, and that's just going to give him a world of confidence. But yeah, next Sunday now is West Brom. I think it's half four and a, a home. So fans still on the stadium at Anfield, so that's going to be have an effect as well. So I think if we play anywhere, if we, even if we play seventy percent as as good as we did yesterday, we'll we'll we should be able to blow them away pretty easy. I'm I'm open. Yeah, I mean I can't agree more. Um, with everything you said. Anything that you want to add, Tim, to to what Mick said, or has he, has he pretty much covered it? He's, he's covered it. I mean, I've got a question for you actually, Matt. Um, in terms in terms of going forward, um, in terms of the future rather than actually just attack and play, um, with Thiago coming back and with Van Dijk likely to return, kind of late February, early March, would you stick with Fabinho at the back and play Genie, Hendo, and Thiago in the midfield rather than playing Joe Gomez because of, of how how well he's played at the back? Yeah, I think given how Fabi's been playing. Um, look, I rate Joe Gomez. I think Joe Gomez on his day is brilliant. Uh, but what we've seen at the start of this season, maybe towards the, the back end of last season after lockdown, was that Joe Gomez was not the same. Um, he wasn't at his highest. And when he's not at his highest, there are weaknesses in his game. That he's young, that he'll iron out. But at the moment, I think Fabinho is a superior defender. Um, I mean, that, that's not an insult to Joe Gomez. Fabinho is, is a beast in midfield. Fabinho is a beast at centre-back. Uh, centre I I said, I think when I think it said at the start of the season that um, I thought our centre-back pairing at the end of the season would be Van Dijk and Fabinho. Now, that's not going to happen, but um, just because of, of Virgil's injury. But um, I do think that if Genie stays, then... Our midfield three could be Genie, Hendo, Thiago, and our back four would include Van Dijk and Fabinho. But I guess we'll see that. What do you think, Mick? I think it all depends on injuries. I think I don't know what's going on with Gomez. I don't because that's quite a specific injury. It's a quite a weird area. And like the patella, like it's it depends. It depends on when he's going to come back. It could be. It could be middle of next year. It could be. I, I honestly don't know. I haven't got a clue. Like with Van Dijk, I think there's more of a clear line about where a zone what what month he could come back between these three months he'll come back with Gomez I think it's just kind of like maybe in the next year there's no there's there's no pressure on it but yeah I think in terms of centre half like I think for being if everyone was fit I would still put Gomez and Van Dijk at at centre back because I still think Fabinho as a as a pivot in front of the back four he he can he can he can make his tick from there um even if you put I don't know. Like it's if you, when I think now all the players we have on the fit, it's really difficult to try and fit them all in. That's the thing. But I think that what happens with Genie is going to be key. Yeah, and it is. Yeah, what going forward because I think if Genie stays, I don't think they're going to give Genie a big contract to sit him on the bench. Um, you can't see Thiago sitting on the bench, and we've seen how vital Jordan Henderson has become to this team. He definitely yeah. can't be on the bench. Um, if Genie stays, then I think. We kind of have to put Fabinho at centre back because how yeah. else the other like, two? Yeah, I suppose if you if you, if you have um, Thiago as a, as a six and then Hendel on the right, Genie on the left, and Fabinho and Van Dijk as a centre half pair, and that is just 
Yeah. That stuff dreams are made of, isn't it? That is just unbelievable. But then there's like, if Gomez and Matip are fifth, is Matip going to be, Matip won't be happy with the bench role as much as Joe Gomez will. And I, I don't know. It's all, it's all about, like you said, if G, if Genie stays, how long Gomez is out for, if we can keep keep personnel fit, if Van Dijk comes back early, there's just loads of variables that we just don't know yet that could affect it. And I think if everyone comes back and every, and if Genie stays, you might even see Joe Matip leave. I, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know what's going to happen because he's one, another one of them. Like if he if he's if he doesn't stay fit often enough, I mean, I think he's thirty next year and he next summer. I think yeah. so. He, he's getting on. He's the wrong side. He's going to be the wrong side of thirty soon. So I don't know if if he keeps getting these niggling injuries. I don't know if Klopp might start being a bit more ruthless in terms of not just keeping a player around because the they're a good fella, like Adam Lallana. I mean, he, he, it wasn't just because of that. He was a great trainer and obviously was great in the dressing room for the rest of the lads. But Matter might be a one that you look to to go, right, we're, we're going to have to sacrifice someone. And if you sacrifice neither Matter or Gomez, it's going to be Matter for me because Gomez has got a, what is he, 22? He's, he's, or 23, sorry. He's got yeah. a huge, a huge uh, career ahead of him. It's just whether he comes back the same player because that's, like I said, the injury is really specific and it could have a knock-on effect in terms of his ability. It, it, it all, it's yeah, could talk for days about it, but it all depends on what happens. So we we'll just have to see, won't we? I think what's very telling is the fact that this is all to come. These headaches are the kind of headaches that managers want to have. Um, it's a headache because these players are such high caliber, and we haven't got them in the squad yet, and we're still four points clear at the top of the league. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to end it. Um, uh, so I'd like to thank. Uh, Tim again for coming on. Second appearance. He'll be getting a, a match ball soon when he gets his third. Uh, <laughs> thanks again to Mr. Mr. Michael. We'll let you go recover from your hangover. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is it. And enjoy your Christmas, guys. Yeah, we'll see you in a bit. Podcast Network.